Good morning. Uh, well, as so often happens this time of year, I caught a cold earlier in the week. I feel fine now, but I have a touch of laryngitis. So my apologies. Uh, but this morning, I will uh, just be speaking my portions of the liturgy, and uh, the congregation will be uh, singing their responses as normal. Uh, a couple announcements before we begin our worship. Uh, first, the 2024 uh, contribution envelopes are available on the back table. Uh, they're alphabetized by household. Uh, if you can, please uh, take yours today if you haven't already done so. Also, only those who contribute in the offering plate have envelopes. If you contribute online, uh, you are not assigned envelopes, so you won't find anything back there. Uh, also, next Sunday is, of course, Christmas Eve, and we always offer a 2 and 7 p.m. service on Christmas Eve. And so when the elders and I talked about this a couple months back, we, we wondered what, what, what should we do, because on Sundays we always have at 8 and at 10.30. So as we have been informing the congregation, uh, we will only be offering a 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. service next Sunday which also means there will be no Sunday school or adult Bible study. Uh, the same thing will hold true the next Sunday, which is New Year's Eve. We always offer a 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. service on New Year's Eve. So again, we've decided not to offer the 8 and the 10.30 service. And along with that, there would also be no adult Bible study or Sunday school that Sunday as well. The following week, we would go back to our our normal schedule as always. Um, on Christmas Day, we do have one service here, a combined service. Uh, that's at 10 a.m. Uh, final announcement is just a reminder to our confirmands that we will not be having uh, confirmation tomorrow evening. And uh, the confirmands have their schedules for all their work that they're to do for the following week. The Old Testament reading for this, the third Sunday of Advent, is from the 61st chapter of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former devastations, they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations, and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. 
as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading is from the fifth chapter of 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law came to see John. and They wanted to know who John was. So they asked John, are you the Christ? He said, no. They wanted to know exactly who John was. So they asked, are you Elijah? Tell us who you are. Show us who you are. So we can tell the people who sent us. And John said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me. So John basically told them, the person you're actually looking for, the Christ, is right here. He's right here and he's... Standing among you right now, right before your eyes. 
That's what he was basically telling them. I can almost imagine the Pharisees starting to look around at this mass of people there. But they couldn't see Jesus. He was right before their eyes in that group of people. And they couldn't find him. There were thousands of people around John when he was being quizzed by the Pharisees. And among all of them in the middle of that mass of people, there was only one Jesus. But the Pharisees couldn't see him. In the middle of all of those people, dressed like all those people, wearing a beard like all the other men, was Jesus. But they just couldn't see him. Jesus was there the whole time, and they couldn't see him. Think about that. Jesus was already 30 years old when he came to John. He had been walking on the earth for about 30 years. But the Pharisees couldn't see him. He was normal, ordinary. And because of that, the Pharisees couldn't see him. He was born in a manger, a cattle stall, for goodness sake. Uh, Aside from the shepherds at Bethlehem, seeing a host of thousands of angels that night, Jesus' birth, his coming in the flesh, was pretty quiet, mundane. Jesus' birth was uneventful, so the Pharisees couldn't see him. Jesus revealed himself when he came to the Jordan. Jesus came to have John baptize him. To have all the people's sin washed on to Jesus. He did come to be washed in the Jordan River, but not to have sins removed from him. But to have sins placed on his back. But you see, the Pharisees, they weren't looking for that type of Jesus. So they didn't see him. All Christians in this world still look for Jesus. All Christians do. But sometimes Christians can be looking for a certain type of Jesus. And then they can't see Jesus at all. Some Christians may look for a certain type of Jesus. uh, The kind who gives them whatever they want. Whatever they pray for. We might be tempted to treat Jesus this way sometimes. Just pray three times and we act like we should get whatever we want. Pray sincerely and we think we should get whatever we want. But when we look around for that kind of Jesus, the one who just gives us whatever we want, no matter how sincere we may be, we're not going to find him. Because that just isn't the type of Christ Jesus is. We can look around for the Jesus we want, the one who will make all the ills of this life just vanish. And some Christians look for this kind of Jesus. But then a disease they prayed to be taken away remains, or they still have troubles in their families, or They may still wrestle personally with their sinful nature and they don't understand why. 
They thought Jesus was the type of Christ to just take the pain away in this world. But then they suddenly come up empty-handed. That's because that is not the type of Christ Jesus is. Why would Jesus come to some lowly man in a crowd at the Jordan? Why would Jesus just not announce to the Pharisees, Here I am. I'm right here. I'm your king. Well, that day will come. Just not yet. Why would Jesus just stand in the middle of a crowd of people at the Jordan and not lift his hand and heal all of the diseases of those people right then and there? He could have done a lot of good for them, but he didn't. That day will come. It just hasn't come yet. Why would Jesus stand quietly? In that crowd at the Jordan. A crowd filled with people who were dying. Why wouldn't he just stop death for all of them? Right there. Right then. He didn't. That day will come. It just hasn't come yet. Jesus comes standing quietly within that crowd at the Jordan for one reason, one reason alone. Jesus came in the flesh so he could take all of their sins and all of our sins and take them with him to the cross. And on his cross, when he died, everyone's sins died with him. When he died on the cross, the diseases of every person died with him. And when Jesus died on that cross, Jesus hammered the final nail into the coffin of death itself. The punishment for sin is death. But the gift of Jesus Christ is life. When the Pharisees were looking for the Christ, they didn't see him. They didn't see Jesus because they were looking for the wrong type of Savior. Please don't fall into the same trap as they did. Jesus shows you who he is. He shows you who he is by showing you what he has done for you. Jesus shows you what he's done for you every week as he speaks to you in his word. Jesus shows you what he's done for you by coming to you through bread and wine and the supper. Jesus stands among all of us in these simple ways which can be so easily overlooked nowadays. Just as the Pharisees scanned the crowd and thought they didn't see Jesus sticking out in front of them. So also is Jesus standing right in front of you. Very simply. Very meekly. In a very mild way. He always has been. And he always will be. 
Jesus is never really standing out. But you always know where he is. And you know who he is. And you know what he's doing for you. He's giving you his death for the death of all your sins. And Jesus is giving you his resurrection. Your very hope of eternal life that's all yours. I know it's easy for all of us to want our struggles in this life to end right now. I know we wish and pray that all of our diseases would end today. And I know we wish that death would never reach our doorstep. And especially that death would never touch our loved ones. But we can't fool ourselves. We know it will. And yet in the face of all these struggles, Jesus has given you something even greater than anything you go through. Because Jesus gives you the hope, the promise, that one day our sinful nature will indeed be ripped away from us. I know we wish our diseases would end. They are painful. They are miserable. And yet even right now, You have the promise of Jesus that he will heal our bodies one day so the disease will never touch us again. And as we near Christmas, this time of year can be a very painful time of year for many people. Many rejoice over the food and the presents and the celebrations while others of us mourn plagued by memories of loved ones they will not see again in this world. Many people find this time of year to be one of the hardest times of the year because it feels like death is trying to kill the joy Christ gives us in this life. But I can assure you, not even death will succeed Death was not successful over Jesus. And death will not be successful over you or your loved ones who are right now alive with Christ. One day when Jesus returns, he will stand again on this earth and command all of the dead to rise and to live again. Christ has promised you this will happen. And he will do this. He will for all of us. As we look around for Jesus in this world, let's not overlook who he is. He is Lord of our sins. He's Lord over death. He is the Lord who will raise us and all believers from the dead. So we will stand before him forever. I know that day may seem far away from us sometimes. But it is coming. And Christ will not abandon you as you wait. And when we are finally in heaven, the waiting we went through in this life won't feel nearly as long as it does right now. So may Christ preserve all of you in the faith until that glorious day of his coming. Amen.
And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thank you.